Hey, Sarah. I have a hey, question. Sarah. So I've always been wondering what's going on in your household while we are recording this. Because I know what's going on in my household. But I'm sure it's so not just funny. you in, like, isolation. Right. I've often wondered what's happening in your household. Like, <laughs> what Ben gets up to and stuff while we're recording. Um, so yeah, in my house, I think it was one week when you mentioned it earlier when I had Rosie here, I normally don't, but I had her that evening and I was like chewing her out while we were recording and like making ugly face. <laughs> I, I hope none of the listeners noted. It was amazing. <laughs> Noticed. I, I was really hard for me to keep my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, we usually record on Wednesday evenings and that's specifically chosen because I don't have Rosalie on that night. Um, but okay, I will give you a little insider info right now because it's funny because often like my boyfriend, he'll he'll arrive, like he'll get back from work around this time, right? Like while we're recording. But tonight he's here and I can hear him right now watching TikTok in the other room. <laughs> Do you know why he watches on addictive. TikTok? Well, I could hear, yeah, I'm sort of I just made fun of him for watching like how to things about like woodworking and stuff but it makes me laugh because he's like he's super super bright right so he's like on he's a chiropractor he's on like the Canadian Chiropractic Association board in charge of like a research committee that decides on like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on research and yet there he is just like scrolling through the like (laughs) it's brain candy you know he has to decompress after a hard day and Mm -hmm. he figures you're not in the same room to shame him so he can get away with that that's true and and bless him he's going to um he sometimes cooks which is amazing like so when i hang up here i like go out and dinner's ready it's the best thing ever that is really nice um yeah so when but it's a little later in your world yeah so you're like you've already had dinner what's your routine we we finish up dinner pretty much right before the podcast. So I'm normally like extra sleepy because I'm digesting. Um, and Ben will do the dishes. So I do most of the cooking. He does the dishes. And then he watches stuff. And recently he's been watching competitive marble racing. And <laughs> yes. That's a thing. It's a thing. It, it's some, I think, Dutch production company. And... They have Marble Olympics, so it's not just uh, racing on race courses, but they'll do high jump, they'll do long jump, they'll do archery and all sorts of things. But the commentators speak as if they're athletes, these marbles. And he got... Wait, wait, wait. The marbles do long jump? <laughs> yeah, jump? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, of course. What was thing. I thinking? And there are fans, okay. <laughs> and there are officials, and sometimes the athletes, quote unquote, get injured... Um, he was trying to explain the whole thing to me, and I watched maybe oh, two minutes of it. it. But he's been oh, it's... I just snorted. <laughs> Understandably, I mean, it, the whole thing I mean, is what? so absurd. And he's been going through multiple seasons where he was trying to tell me about how, you know, a previous team did X, Y, and Z. And he was trying to convince me that it wasn't just dumb random chance. That they're actually, you know, some marbles are better than others. I'm like, well, do they weigh different amounts? No, they're exactly the same. It's just like the Raspberry Berets. Like two years ago, you know, they had this undefeated season. I, it's getting weird. 
what so it's not okay so it's not even about the people who throw the marbles there it's are actually no people about the marbles there you don't see people. how do the marbles get launched into the like how do they there are people behind who the rolls scenes, them but it's <laughs> you're so it's supposed to be a suspension of disbelief where you just believe these marbles are athletes and like they get launched from the start line of their own volition um the whole thing is so absurd, but he's... Is it just designed for adult consumption? Yes. Or, like, is it a kid's show? Yes. Yes? Yeah. And I guess it's really blown up recently. All this stuff is on YouTube, in case anybody's interested. Uh, but it's blown up because there are no live sports right now. And right. marbles are taking are, place. Is there, like, really good, like, marble, like, what do you call it? What like like comment commentators? Oh, the, like is the are the commentators funny? The, is that the, like the commentating is? I think he, the main commentator does F one commentary, so it's mm-hmm. it's really good. It's it makes oh it. my god, it makes the whole thing. Okay, yeah. you've sold it now. You've sold no, it. No, don't waste your I'm time. I'm gonna go. Don't waste your time. <laughs> I watched maybe two I minutes. I think I of might it. have to. Well, just check it okay, out. Okay, two minutes. Like, yeah. I'll, yeah. I won't waste my time. I'll be, I'll just laugh for two minutes okay. and it will be good. <laughs> until um, you, I also, and, like, until you get hooked. <laughs> until I get hooked. I'm hoping not to get hooked, but we'll see. Maybe I could start doing marble stuff on TikTok. Maybe that's where, like, all of my worlds collide. <laughs> also, my, you know, my rabid raccoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. He's like, I think he's just like, the, she, maybe she. Hmm. I think this is just her commute and I actually took like a video of her she walks past my window multiple times per day so close to my place so I took a video of her yesterday um doing her usual I don't know I don't know where she goes she must live like she must literally live right out here I'm not sure but I've I've come to the conclusion that she's not rabid she's just lost it is weird that a nocturnal animal is awake when it's still daylight but okay you you have After, to, you're giving her the benefit of the doubt that's very uh, yeah of you. yeah she's too regular to be rabid like too, i don't know it's it, that the night true. we recorded yeah. so One last day? week on wednesday i literally saw her at the around the same time going the same direction like four nights in a row then the last couple days, and this I'm only here to observe this because because of COVID nineteen. <laughs> it's the only thing I have to look at. Oh look, there's a raccoon again. Um, and then, and then, yesterday she was a little bit earlier, and I happened to be sitting out on the patio, and I got this video. So and wow. she like she's so close. Like when you see the video, I'm gonna post it hopefully on Friday when this comes out, so I'll remember to put it on my social, yeah. so that anyone who's listening who's like on the edge of their seat about this raccoon <laughs> can can confirm for me like that she does not look rabid. She's like. <laughs> She's, um, she's chilling. She's she's strolling across the yeah. street. So after yeah. you're done watching, you know, a raccoon video, you can then stream <laughs> multiple seasons of marble racing. Right. <laughs> All the best uh, viewing advice here on the If We Were Riding <laughs> podcast. Okay. Coming up on the show, um, I may have gone viral on TikTok again and love to talk about it, of course. <laughs> um, a recap on Sarah's feisty happy hour. We're going to talk about the gender divide in Strava racing, and we're going to talk a little more on motivation and why we race uh, after last week's deep thought, and a voicemail from, wait for it, Kelly's mom. Hey, Sarah, what's, yes. what's that in your hand? Oh, I'm um, drinking a nice uh, Cab Sav in this evening's recording. Oh, How about yeah. you? What are you drinking? 
I have some noon rest because it's nine o'clock at night. I'm ready to go to bed after this. Well, at least one of us is going to be well rested and hydrated after this recording. We are so grateful to Noon Hydration for their sponsorship of this podcast. And if you want to get 30% off, you can go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN, plural women, as our sister podcast. You can use that as a code and you will get 30% off your next order at noonlife.com. I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. So Sarah, I saw that your video, you posted a video and it's over 40,000 views, which is not quite the same status as the the abs one, but it's getting close. It's go it's going. It's up to 60,000 now. What? Uh, yeah, I'm in the algorithm. Man, yeah. again, you cracked it. Again. I know. I'm and I'm quite proud of myself cuz I got in for two different reasons. Like the first one is like the first one is just me doing like a physical thing that not everyone can do you know, with the pull-ups, right? But this one was actually, I guess, like, I don't know, it was funny to me. That's why I posted it. But I guess folks share my humor um, where in with my coach's face as I returned to CrossFit and he's not impressed with me at all. So well, um, I, I feel like you're, you're really displaying your range. So, you know, not only do you have athletic prowess, but you also have, you know, some, some acting chops. So... Right. <laughs> Maybe you'll re- <laughs> maybe you'll crack two hundred you know followers on TikTok now. Oh, I've cracked two hundred. <gasps> I'm we're like at two hundred and seven or something crazy <laughs> like that. So watch out, world. <laughs> yes, apparently the fifteen minute video is my is my sweet spot for fifteen minutes getting views. F- sorry, fifteen seconds. Okay, that's very different. <laughs> Yeah, that's very, very different. 15, nobody wants to watch me do anything for 15 minutes, 15 seconds. Amazing. Oh, man. Well, congratulations. Um, I Well, thank you. I'm proud of yeah. you, you know. Another chance for us to go, for me to go over the 100,000 and have and have a big celebration. Oh. So I'm still like waiting it. for that. Because the other one, like, kind of tapped out at 93. Seriously? So. That was really close. Yeah. Wait, what? I know, so close. What are we going to do to celebrate if you crack 100K? Well, I think we have some secret plans. I'm not sure I want our audience to know just yet. Oh. But our secret plans. Oh. Oh, those secret plans. Now I remember. Mm, oh, sorry, guys. Plans. You're not in on this <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> so tell your friends to watch this video on TikTok. Watch Live Feisty Media on TikTok. That's, that's all you need to know right now. Um, okay, and Sarah, we had your happy hour last night. Today's Wednesday, yep. but we had it on Tuesday night on Live Feisty, um, and it was great. Um, everyone appreciated your voice, and we stayed on for longer than the hour. Um, loads of comments and conversation. What was your highlight from that? Well, I mean, first of all, thank you to everybody who listened. You know, it's I think we're all feeling a little bit of like this Zoom fatigue. So the fact that yes. people came out and were willing to listen to me yammer on for over an hour i definitely appreciate it and if you didn't attend then 
then you're dead to me. So honestly, <laughs> no, I'm just totally kidding. Everybody's busy. I get it. Um, and you get enough of me on this podcast. Uh, yeah, so I really appreciated, you know, the, the opportunity to talk and, and share stories. I think the one thing that I felt I walked away feeling kind of mixed about was so there were two questions and I actually see them being somewhat related was like, what was the Olympic experience for you? And what did it feel like crossing the finish line at Kona? And I realized that, you know, here's this great opportunity for me to tell like a funny story and have it be uplifting and positive. And I don't know, something makes me, because I just, I have to be honest um, mm-hmm. I've realized that's not the expectation. I really walked away feeling like, you know, maybe I should have focused on the positive and rah-rah, how great it is to represent your country. But I'm like, you know what? We, that's not, that's not the honest experience. I think, you know, we're, we're kind of told this myth that these major events are nothing but positive, um, either it's very, very positive or very, very negative. Um, but it can be both. Like it can be this whole mixture of, uh, you know, emotion. And I know that like with my first games experience, I was not, I was not prepared for that. You know, here was this thing that was, uh, in like this Olympic experience, you know, you're told for years that it's, you know, the pinnacle of sport and that you have all these expectations. But then when the reality doesn't match the expectation, it can be really, really hard to process. And that's whether or not you have a good race in the Olympics. Um, you know, you look at, you like at a, a Michael Phelps who, you know, winningest uh, Olympian of all time. And, you know, he, he has talked about his public struggles with depression after the games. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this disconnect between this belief that these events like is it's nothing but a positive when in reality it's it's all sorts of things. And I I wish in hindsight that pe- somebody had warned me about that. Um, like I think about my games experiences and, you know, my Kona experiences and yeah, I'm I'm proud of certain things, but I'm also sad about other ones. You know, they're, they, both the games experiences were definitely altered by the fact that, you know, my, my husband didn't make his teams, you know, that I didn't get medals, you know, that they weren't perfect races that, uh, you know, so you end up with these, this total mix of emotions that I don't think we do a good job of communicating, um, is a very normal experience with sport. That, mm-hmm. you know, we, we watch movies and we read books and it's like, yay, you win or boo, you lose, but it's all okay. You know, it's it's a very uh, uniform emotional response instead of like this confluence of all sorts of things kind of coming together. And yeah, so I, in part of me regrets not having, you know, taken the opportunity yesterday to focus on the rah-rah part of it, but think you know I'm, I tried to be really honest about it and I hope people understand that yeah I feel there I definitely have funny stories about the Olympics and they're amazing things that I got to experience but there are also this other side 
Um, so I hope people understood that you know, these things are complicated. Yeah, I think it just putting it into context, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, like, like going to the Olympic Games and representing your country is not something that just suddenly happens. Like if it oh, every once in a while, someone comes out of nowhere, qualifies the year before, didn't expect it to happen and boom, they're at the game. But usually, you know, you have this really long, like you have an athletic career that is pointing towards you know, the, the ability that you have to possibly one day go to the Olympic Games and you're building towards that thing. Um, and so when you're there, it's not like a, this big surprise, right? <laughs> or it's not, you know? Um, and then I was th- just thinking as you were talking, um, how did it feel at the time? Like did finishing fourth affect, like in 2012, did finishing fourth have a negative side to it about being off the podium? Oh yeah, no, I I was... I definitely went to a depressive state for a while afterwards. Um, and it's taken me years to be proud of that race. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was like, as an outsider, you know, like I, I definitely, and I've said this to you before, like I definitely, like I watched your performance that day. I saw it as like incredible how you got dropped and came back and that, you know, I felt like it was this hard fought, amazing fourth place, but like, um yeah if you're you're at the olympic games and you're there to get on the freaking podium (laughs) you know so it's taken yeah it's taken me years to appreciate what i did but afterwards i felt like a failure like Mm. i felt as though because i hadn't put myself in a better position to medal and i didn't believe in myself more and all these different things that i i failed and i failed the people around Mm. me and like the post games letdown in this is this is a very common experience um and not just in professional sport it's an amateur sport too where people will talk about like a post marathon low uh mm-hmm. yeah it was it was incredibly hard and i had no idea that would happen because here was you know a, a result that i didn't think that i was capable of um you know, my goal going in was to have a good race and to be on the Olympic team, but I didn't see myself as a, a potential medalist. So by, you know, all standards, I should have been really happy with that race. But then, you know, there was this disconnect between how I felt and how other people saw that race. And yeah, the whole thing, um, you know, I, I'm i glad that time basically heals things. Uh mm. And I'm able to really appreciate the journey to get to the games and my experiences there. But I also wish that I had been warned um, that it's very common to have that low afterwards. That you've been Mm -hmm. building towards something so big for a while that when it's passed, it's normal to feel feelings of loss and to be feeling, you know, a bit empty. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people feel that after Ironman. Yeah. You know, I know from coaching Ironman athletes, that's because it's that big, it's that big goal mm-hmm. that a lot of people spend a year working towards, um, that you have to take measures for like, okay, now we just did Ironman, but you got to keep moving <laughs> for for your mental health, you know? Um, I know I'm really relating to what you're saying because I had a, a long career of finishing like basically second to fifth, like in almost every single Ironman. And it was like, it kind of ended up becoming just like, 
heartbreak, 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 you know, mm-hmm. because you, especially the races that you go in and you know you're fit and you know, you know you could win or like you're second by two minutes. Those are almost worse than it's like, than the ones that you're like, you kind of limp into, you were a little bit injured, finish fifth, happy for a little paycheck and go. Like that's all, that's actually easier than um, the heartbreak of like knowing that you're a good enough athlete mm. um, and then, and so I, that was something I had to get over a little bit too um, in my career was like, I could, like I did Ironman for 10 years without winning one. Like I could end up retiring from the sport and not, and not win an Ironman. And I have to be okay with that. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, and but that was hard. You get, but you get used to it too. So w- one of the things that I didn't anticipate was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I finished fourth at Kona, um, like I didn't have that that depressive period afterwards. Mm. You know, it was I was able so much sooner to be proud of what I had done. And I think I needed to go through those major heartbreaks of my two games experiences to be appreciative of finishing fourth. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like I but I it took me getting to that point where I could just be grateful for what it was without comparing it to some idealized, you know, version of if I had done X, Y, or Z and going through the different scenarios and just accepting like that's what I did on the day and I'm proud of that day. And it's just that. It's that simple. Um, yeah, I I know that the number of like the 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 mental gymnastics you go through after a race, you know, what could I have done differently? that's it's it can be agonizing um and i would just mm-hmm. i'm grateful that i got to the point with with you know 2018 kona like just hey it would have been really nice to finish on the podium but i'm freaking proud of that race mm-hmm. what a difference that it, it took me like six years to be appreciative of my my fourth place in the olympics but it took me a couple days to really be happy about genuinely happy about my fourth place in Kona right yeah Yeah. if anything like just talking to you these last few weeks and even the happy hour and talking about why we write deep thoughts from last week which now apparently we're back into deep thoughts for this week oh um is that like you seem to have had a a very I don't know I, I think a journey that has left you with a lot of insight about like not about really what's what I'm trying to say really being present in the journey and appreciating the little things rather than looking for that end point or that, you know, the, the goal being the ultimate thing or the race being the ultimate thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe we should, I mean, I wanted to sort of revisit this question about why we race. Cause we had a lot of response to that. Mm, yeah. Let's um, do that. Maybe, maybe we should go to that right now. Um, yeah. I think uh, when I put it, I, I talked to some people on our new feisty team um in the in our on the feisty app uh about what they thought about our podcast last week and people really appreciated uh the conversation there and oh and we got a voicemail from our editor taylor so let's listen to that first hey guys it's taylor i really liked sarah true's new segment deep thought to sarah true and i had a response um just thinking about why there's such an emphasis on racing and triathlon. 
And I think one of the big reasons is that it's hard to define when you actually become a triathlete outside of a race. So, you know, when you start running for the first time, you get labeled as a runner and you just become a runner. Um, but when you start swimming and biking and running, you don't really become a triathlete until you actually like complete a triathlon or compete in a triathlon race. Thanks guys. So what do you think I, it, about Taylor's point that you don't really become like you can be a runner without doing a running race, but you can't be a triathlete without having been done a triathlon. Is that true? Yeah. But then yeah. why do we keep on going back to it? So I've, I've met triathletes who say, well, I haven't done a triathlon in three years. Am I still a triathlete even though I swim, bike, and run train? Well, I don't know. Pro- I think so. If you feel like you are, then you are. Um, be, the same way that somebody who never does a bike race, if they feel like a cyclist, they're a cyclist. I just, mm-hmm. I just think it's a little arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a little arbitrary. The other thing was interesting is a, a couple of people in our um, feisty team group felt like this feeling about being attached to races uh, is wasn't necessarily just about triathlon. Like a lot of the groups that they belong to, like cycling groups or running groups, which I'm not really, I don't really hang out on Facebook in, you know, amateur running groups and stuff like that. So it was an interesting perspective that like people in those groups are feeling it too, the loss of the racing. Oh, yeah. I just... I guess my, maybe it's just my, my circles, I, I feel like the identity of, of being a triathlete is more tied to racing. Um, I'm not saying that's not important part. Like you get your average person who's, you know, the, the, the Boston qualifier minded marathoner and they're incredibly tied to racing. Um, but the the fact that I know so many cyclists who just it's fun for them it's it, they enjoy racing every once in a while but I I do think that the the business model of triathlon is so much stronger the the it's strongerly wait no <laughs> it's strongerly it's str- strongerly tied to racing <laughs> tied to racing. <laughs> It totally it's is. late it's past nine here <laughs> i'm still digesting <laughs> it that was that was um good communication we all knew what you meant Thanks. so that's what matters yeah i talk real good <laughs> just kidding you do just kidding yeah. sometimes i don't but that's all right <laughs> um, another interesting point someone made was that um that some someone's attachment to racing may have to do with their longevity in the sport. So like if you, this particular woman's been doing triathlon for 18 years, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, you feel like a triathlete still, if you've been doing it for 18 years and one season without racing has a lot more perspective um, than if you just started a couple years ago and you're like, Oh, bummer. Like this is the place where I get a lot of joy and get my motivation from and now all the races are canceled so I get that I think one thing one thing I thought when I heard that was that um maybe this is a time to go hey let's all do this let's all plan to do this for the next 18 years so this little COVID blip is gonna be like nothing like we're triathletes or we're athletes because we're athletes that's it that's who we are and you know one missed season what's one missed season nothing I I like it I like I you are right that if this is your first season 
as a triathlete and you had something on the schedule for July and you're like, I am finally going to do a triathlon and then I can call myself a triathlete. <laughs> it's, it's a different sense of, of loss. And I, I, I don't want to minimize that. So, but you're right. Things wash out over time. The longer you do things, you realize that you miss a season, you have a down season, whatever. Like, it's really just the culmination of years that defines mm-hmm. us. It's not one year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good perspective. Um, the other thing someone said was like their motivation um, for a triathlon is finding their personal limits. Mm-hmm. And so that person had found other challenges. And I that's think all. that's actually yeah. really good advice too. Like how else can we find our personal limits right now? And if, you know, if training, taking a back seat is not something that suits you, if you want to actually train for something like train to run further than you've ever run or train to run a certain trail that you think that, that feels like a challenge or yeah. Yeah, who knows what, um, whatever that is. No. And, and I think that's why you see all these, uh, athletes doing these kind of epic challenges, like whether it's the Everesting or, you know, they, are deciding to you know do a time trial on their own for a 10k you know people like that challenge and and what it brings out in them so i i definitely think there's a way to focus on that part of it and try to get the most out of yourself just in a different way totally totally so i came up with two pieces of advice in conclusion are you ready (laughs) you can i'm expecting you to add to this but these are my two Okay. One, I, one thought I had was if it is possible to come out of this time with no racing as a better overall athlete, if you're motivated and want to do that, that's a no brainer. Like you can make yourself stronger. You can make yourself faster. That's still, all of that is still available. Right. Um, so sure. yeah, what that's one. So figure out how to do that. Uh, and the other one would be figure out why you race just the exact thing we've been talking about and then find out some, find something that can replace that and keep you motivated. So that's my advice. Anything to add? It's not, it's not going to be a facsimile. It's going to be something different, but you can still channel that impulse to race, you know, the, the, the positive, positive things you get out of it and just divert it in a different direction. Um, So you're looking, yeah, you'll get something different you'll get the same feeling out of it it's just gonna be a different challenge i like it i like it sarah wise words cool now thank you now speak speaking (laughs) of racing uh Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago the the uh pro triathletes who've been interested in doing the zwift racing uh got an email and it was uh an email directed to the female athletes the female triathletes and there's the Zwift coordinators were like, Hey, I don't know what's going on this past week. We had 10 women signed up, you know, the men, we still have a and B groups, uh, but we've seen numbers significantly drop off and I don't know what's going on. Obviously this is here because we want to support athletes and give them the competitive outlet. Um, but if you, if you ladies have any insight, why, the numbers have dwindled so drastically, let us know. So it, this is something that I kind of wanted to bring up on the podcast in case, you know, the audience members or you have any insight into it. But I've been trying to think, is there a gender difference in how we perceive virtual racing? Um, 
because the men's side of things are strong. The women, you know, 10 women signing up, that's, that's not great. Um, but when it comes to real, real world racing, we're there, we're on the start line. So what's, what's the difference? Um, so what do you think, sir? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple factors. I think there's going to be, this is one of these questions that's going to come down to like loads of factors. So definitely want to hear from people because there'll be things that we don't think of. Yeah. But the first thing that comes to mind is uh, when Lisa Ingerfield, who's my co-founder for the Outspoken Summit, when she was on our happy hour, she was explaining how um, COVID-19 has affected di- different demographics differently, right? And because kids are home um, and because of the way that the gender divide has gone with parenting because men make on average more than women to begin with um that the both the financial piece and the 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 sort of the financial burden but also the um like the burden of the work in the home with the kids has fallen more to women Mm. right um so there's been this kind of strain on average more on women now i don't know where that slice like that's a fact that comes out of studies but i don't know where that hits like how many professional athletes that hits or how many professional athletes are in that demographic that that intersects with. But it's definitely a factor. There may be some people who have been affected. I think it's likely that there are pro women who have been affected financially, probably more than pro men or who had less to begin with in the first place. Right. So maybe training and racing is not their priority um, because they've not been able to financially make that a viable option um and we know that that like at while in triathlon there's a lot of great sponsorships for the top women that it as it tapers off it tapers off more quickly on the women's side for that not for prize money but for the financial like the the sponsorship financial sponsorships so there may be more women like the there may be more women who don't have enough support to go hey i'm going to put this kind of effort into a Zwift or a Strava race um, and may have just chosen to do something else instead. Those are two factors right off the top of my head. There's definitely more. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm I, just thinking through it in real time. I guess, I guess I was thinking purely from the psychology perspective. There's also that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested what people think, whether they notice a difference. If, if we have any pro women who've raced on, on the Zwift tri-series and have some insight, um, please let us know. Because yeah, I still I haven't love, been yeah. able to do any. Because it happens during class time. Again. Right. Gender thing. <laughs> yeah. And it, the, yeah, and the sociocultural piece is interesting, right? Even the place where, like, so, you know, you've taken on this homeschooling because you changed your priorities, yeah. right? And that's, like, that's that's not just because you're a woman, but it is, like, those are your priorities yeah. and you and this the social piece like maybe we prioritize things differently just in general some people mm. not everyone um and maybe there are more women who are like you and I who have just taken a little bit more relaxed approach like okay we don't have to be we don't have to come out of this thing like super fit I don't need to be ready to like go to my next CrossFit comp the minute they open you know you you do <laughs> need a- to have to potentially fight a rabid raccoon but that's a separate that's issue. true <laughs> that's a different thing it's a different skill set yeah <laughs> oh amazing okay so folks if you have any thoughts about that we'd love to hear it um send a voicemail to me sarah with no h at livefeisty.com and after the break we have a voicemail drum roll taylor maybe well we've already know who it's from but Give us a drum roll or a clap or something. 
because we hear from Kelly's mom. We grossly, as in, in a big way, and truly want to thank our sponsor, Noon Hydration, for supporting If We Were Riding. If you love us, or even kind of like us, or maybe just like our content, you can make sure we grow through our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash live feisty. And also make sure you talk to us on Instagram at If We Were Riding. We love talking to people on Instagram, especially on the stories. If you want to send us a voicemail, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to Sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah with no H, me, at livefeisty.com. And remember, the I comes after the E if you're feisty. We also love reviews on iTunes and written messages from you joining the conversation. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production hosted by Sarah True and me, Sarah Gross. Our editor and producer is Taylor Mahan. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the time. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Well, hello, Sarah and Sarah. So, how's your pandemic going? I was thinking about all the different reasons people do sports. What you guys were talking about, about whether it's part of someone's identity or whether they do it because it's, you know, fun to get queen of the mountain, get that competitive urge, or whether people do it because it makes them feel healthy and feel better. I was um, sick the last two weeks of March and then just sort of wiped out and tired, exhausted for most of April in the way that like getting up and just walking around the block wiped me out. So... I was thinking about the whole being healthy thing because in January and February, I was doing like little treadmill runs a couple of times a week to get myself in shape to run this shamrock shuffle with my sister here in Chicago. And I could do my little wimpy, you know, 40 minute 5K, but it took me months to get to that 40 minute 5K. And I was feeling pretty healthy about it and pretty good. And then I was sick and didn't do anything for like five weeks, six weeks. So after I started feeling better, I went over to the cemetery near us um, because it's empty and you can't really be on the lakefront because all those people whose identity is deeply invested in being who they are, climb the barricades and run on the lakefront no matter what you tell them. Anyway, separate story. So I'm over there and I like, it's a mile, it's one mile. I'm like, I can run one mile. And I get halfway through this mile and I cannot even, I have to go sit on some steps to some mausoleum. And I'm like, where am I supposed to get the motivation to do this? I am not competitive. This is not part of my identity. I'm not even convinced it's all that healthy. If I'm supposed to be at home being quarantined, then by God, I will be at home being quarantined. It's just code for sit down and read a book. So naturally, after sitting around doing nothing for weeks and weeks, I end up getting a quarantine injury, hurt myself putting a fitted sheet on a bed. So now I'm back to, well, I need to be healthier. What am I going to do to motivate myself? Because I have got to stop sitting on the sofa reading a book. What do you guys do to motivate? Other than blow up dinosaur costumes and running around the block, because I can't do that here. Not that I wouldn't. Dinosaur costumes are amazing. But 
you guys, listeners, anybody, how do we keep motivated just for even the bare minimum of healthy? So Sarah, Kelly's mom asked an, an interesting question there about which I actually, I, it actually stumped me. So I'm going to lean heavily on you oh, right geez. now. Um, <laughs> how do we stay motivated um, just to stay plain healthy? You know, just give up. Honestly, it's not worth it. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, I guess, I guess I think of, I think of my parents. Uh, they were never really competitive athletes. Um, I mean, I guess my dad was as a kid, but that was about it. And they've always been very good about exercise. Um, I remember during my swim practices, they would use that time to be in the gym and do their own workouts and just leave me to my own devices. Um, and that really left a strong impression on my mind. It's like, just, it, it just becomes part of your daily routine. Um, that it's, it just so much of it, I do think is about routine. It's having it be a normal part of your life. Like, and I, you don't have to question or you don't really need to find motivation a lot of times when things get interwoven into your day. Um, but yeah, I think what I saw from them was that exercise was something they did, you know, to check that health and wellness box. But it, for my dad, he, he jogged with a group of guys and it was a social outlet. Um, I know it was just, they, they focused on the positive of the, like the, the mental benefits of being outside and getting some exercise in. So I think a lot of part of like, you don't need to get fired up every single day. Just half of it is getting out the door. Um, and once you start moving, you feel better. So I don't know. I don't actually know if that's at all helpful. <laughs> I think it is. That's what that's my what mind went to. The spot. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be about training. It has to be about like moving your body and reminding ourselves that we are, we are built to move. Um, it's what makes us, you know, how we move is part of what makes us human. And it's finding the, the joy just in movement. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, there's, there's a hurdle. It's a strange hurdle. Cause when you first, if you haven't moved a lot and mm -hmm. you first start, it does feel like a barrier. It feels hard. Yeah. Right. And then after, like you say that the routinization of it, um, you realize very quickly, I don't know how many days this would, would take. I don't even, somebody's done this study. 14. I don't know. 14. <laughs> I was going to say 30. Somewhere in there. Um, it, it, you, you realize that it, how good it feels. So on the days when I'm least motivated, because I'm not, I haven't been training for something for quite a number of years, but, um, when I'm least motivated, I just on a very simple level, remember how good I feel after and how I don't want to go through like, I don't want to go through the rest of my day feeling like schlubby on the sofa, which is how I would feel otherwise, having learned that, having learned that there's a different way to feel. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's like that just because like that, that's like, I think that's like my baseline motivation. Like usually I have other layers of motivation that get me out the door that I don't even think about and I just go. 
Right. Um, but if it really, if, if for some reason I'm feeling really like, ugh, come on, Sarah, um, I just think about how I feel after and it provides that good feedback loop. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I think, I think honestly, so much of it is you get dressed and get it, just having the bar, if you're not feeling it, that I will do five minutes of walking and nine times out of 10, you keep on going because the hardest part was that first five minutes. And just knowing that, I think that's whether, you know, you do this sport for a living or you're just doing exercise to stay healthy. It's so much of it is getting past that, the anticipation of this is going to be hard and just getting into it and like giving yourself that space of if things are really bad, I'm going to give myself permission to go back home. But chances are, once you're out the door, you're gonna you're gonna start to feel better. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a good elite athlete tip. Just do the warm up. Yeah. And see how you feel. I remember hearing that one a lot. Um, okay, well, Sarah, thank you. Another great episode. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, so uh, I'll see you next week, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And in the meantime, uh, stay strong. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're